Knoxville Game Design October 2019 Ludum Dare 45 Show Off with Dylan and Levi. Welcome everyone to Knoxville Game Design for October 2019. This is a monthly discussion of our game projects and topics in the games industry. My name is Levi Smith. I'm in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. You, know, you may know some of my games such as Kitty's Adventure and TTY GFX Adventure. Also joining us this month is Dylan Wolf. He's in Lenore City, Tennessee, and you may know Hi. some of his games, One Card Hero and uh, uh, Retro Future. Okay, so this month we're going to be uh, showing off some of the games that we developed for Ludum Dare 45. Um, we had a kickoff meeting last Friday, and then after that we went uh, back to our own places and developed games over the weekend. So we had uh, four games that I saw that were developed in East Tennessee, so we're going to show those off. Um, yeah, so I didn't have very much news. Dylan, did you have any news or anything this month? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't have anything. Okay, well, we'll start out first with your game. Uh, you developed, uh, let's see if we can screen share it. Or, I guess you, yeah. you may want to go ahead and share it on your screen. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Um. Is Self-Made Spaceman. Yeah, so... Sorry, it's going to take me a second. Oh, it's okay. Technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, we're working through some issues. I, I have a new computer. I hate getting new computers because it takes me forever to get everything set up just perfectly. And All right. So um, I made my game in Pico 8 just because I figured it would be a little bit easier. And so you start out as this little guy in a spacesuit, and you have to steal a ship... And then once you steal a ship, you can pick up um, weapons, you know, which uh, will upgrade. And you can also pick up uh, shields. So. So I didn't mention that the theme was start with nothing. So. Yes. So you, you kind of start with a ship with no powers or anything, and you. Yeah, and admittedly, I didn't do much with it. It was just like, okay, you have to start out by... It was just a, a really literal interpretation of the theme. Um, I thought this one was a really hard theme. I mean, I guess anything could be starting from nothing. I mean, Yeah, and I, I, I would take it very literally. Like, um, you know, like in Legend of Zelda, you literally do not start with a weapon or an item. You have to go into a cave. Um so I, I would probably take it like that. Um, yeah, I remember us discussing at the kickoff. I remember playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and it's like you start out with all the best weapons and the best armor and everything, and then the Grim Reaper comes and takes it away from you. Then you have to go back and get everything again. So that that's kind of a game where you start with everything and then you go to nothing. Yeah, and even even in most games, you you start with nothing, but really you're starting with something. Like, you've got a sword, you've got, you know, some sort of basic shooting weapon if, if you're in a top-down shooter. And it's like, how literally, how literal do you want to go with the theme? And I'm, I'm very much the type that is going to go as literally as possible. 
Yeah, that, that's the that's that's a safe bet there because I know in past Ludum Dares, I, I, I tried to do like a different take on the theme, and then if people don't understand my take on the theme, then I usually got rated badly in that category. But yeah, it's all for fun anyway. Yeah, and theme like I I, I think it's completely fine in, if you're doing a Ludum Dare game where theme is just um, an excuse to do whatever style of game you want to do. Um, it doesn't have to apply that that uh, strictly. Yeah, it's just like a, an advisory or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. This is like my second real Let Em Dare game. Um, so Your second Pico 8 game? Or, yeah, yeah, second yeah. Pico 8 game. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> You've done a lot of Ludum Dare, because you started like the one after that, like Mike and I did, and that was like Ludum Dare 27, I think was your first one. It could be 20s. Yeah. It has to be in the 30s. But no, no, it probably was in the 20s. Yeah, I think your your, your first uh, one was Ludum Dare 20. You did the uh, game with the balloons, or I think you yeah. And that was that was literally it was not even a game. It was just technically. You know, hey, you've got like ten seconds or something like that. So that sounds like a game to me. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. This was actually my twentieth Ludum Dare. I can't believe like where the time has gone. <laughs> and I started. Yeah, I guess most of us started back in twenty thirteen, or then they came and did the article. I remember that was like late twenty thirteen, early twenty fourteen. Yeah, that that may have been like my second game when that that happened, but. Um, this was my second Pico 8 game. So I I did feel like I ended up coding myself into a corner in certain areas where, okay, I need to add this, this property to a bullet or this property to a ship. And so th there's not a lot of room for me to add variation. You know, the ships are all kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I got some comments on that. Mm -hmm. Um what I was really happy about, though, was some of the visual effects I, I kind of figured out how to do. Like, oh, yeah. um, you know, when you when you hit someone, there's a, a screen shake. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. I, did, I haven't played it all the way through yet, but I did notice, like, whoa, look at the screen shake. I, I don't know how you did that. I mean, do you just get a reference to the entire screen and move that around, or are you individually moving all the sprites around? So Pico 8 has a concept called it's got a, it's a function called camera and you can just pass it in like an X or Y offset. Um, and you, you could do the exact same thing in unity by, you know, shifting your, your camera around. But essentially what I did was I set a timer and then while that timer was active, it set a, um, um, a random value for the X and Y offset. So you get like, four or five frames in there where you're just, the screen's just moving wherever it's going to move. So you get a different shaking effect every time. Yeah. Um, and I even added it, I added it in like a shorter effect when you uh, hit a ship with a missile, just because I felt like that, that felt really satisfying when I, when I added it. Um, the yeah. other thing was I used some palette swapping that Pico 8 will do. So you'll see, um, as you kill more ships and as you gain more shields, um, a sh like your shields kind of show up around the ship. Um, and that's just like pallet swapping depending on um, how many shields a ship has. Oh, okay. Um, 
But yeah, like the, those were both really easy to do in yeah. Pico Pico Eight. Yeah, it's like Pico Eight really isn't like you're talking about it earlier is like when you need to add new attributes to your ship or something. It's like Pico Eight really isn't object oriented. It is kind of I forget if it's duct typing or whatever, but it's like you can add as many properties to an object that you want, and then you can reference those. But if it doesn't exist, that property doesn't exist. I think it just returns null or something like that. So, yeah, there is. Um, I think they call so it, you can. Do they call it tables or something? It's been a few months. Yeah, it's, it's tables. They kind of work like dictionaries or something in um, like JavaScript or, or Python or something it's, it's like that. Sharp, yeah. Yeah. Um, well. It's more like JavaScript or Python, where where you actually have like they're actually properties. Like player oh. weapon, player dot weapon dot adjust method is, you know, a series of properties. Um, and you can actually like, for example, here this adjust laser and this weapon laser, uh, those are actually functions. You can pass around functions like objects. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but it's just like it's it's hard to do object oriented out of the gate. Um, I think we're talking about. Kind of think oh, sorry. I think we're talking about like passing around functions, like when we did the talk on Pico Eight a few months ago. Because I remember I was having an issue trying to get the screen swapping. I was like, I want a title screen and a game screen and an ending screen. I remember you recommended it's like, oh, can you just pass in like a function to whatever screen you want to draw? Yeah, there are ways to do that. Um, the problem was uh, I didn't really start out with. Um, I started out like, okay, I've got a list of bullets and all bullets kind of do the same thing. Um, I've got a list of ships, all enemy ships kind of do the same thing. If I'd, if I'd been a little more intentional up front and built like game objects like I would in XNA, because when you're working with Pico 8, the thinking is a lot like the thinking you're doing um, with XNA. It's just not statically typed, so... Which makes things faster. I mean, yeah. you don't have to explicitly define something, just add whatever property you want. You just it, it can get out of hand if you forget what all you've created. Yeah, it's it's a case where if I'd if I'd thought about like, okay, I'm gonna create an an interface that, that all game objects use and then um, you know enemies do a, have a certain set of base classes and bullets have a certain base class and then I build on top of them. It's a little bit easier to think that way. In this case, it's it's hard to go back um, and and add those pieces in, but um, it, it's, a, it's a weekend game, so yeah. I'm not too worried if I can't go back and add to it, but... Um, Definitely like yeah. a great prototyping tool. You want to get something out and done quick. Because I, I know like doing Unity, I mean, I spend minutes just like getting everything set up and imported and everything. And Pico 8, you're just good to go. <laughs> yeah, but you you all... I, I find myself with, with Pico 8 as well as with Unity like wanting to have kind of a code library I can come in and, and pull from. And, and so I think... I think, you know, if I... If I was a few more games into Pico Eight, I would I would have a better feel for it. But have you found out a way to like import another like Pico Eight source code file and like like uh, what am I thinking of like an import or a required something like that? No, I haven't really checked. I mean, if you want, 
Because um, that's always been one of my complaints about Pico A, to have to put everything in one gargantuan file, and then it gets yeah. unmanageable after a while. It is a, um, again, it is a text file, so if you want to come in here and dump some stuff into it. Oh, okay. Like, you, you can, you can let's say you have a, a class or a, a utility library that, that you want to dump in, you know, all your games. You could easily do that. Um, yeah, actually, I've, I've looked at the source code before, and yeah, it looks like it's all just text in there, so I guess you can just add whatever you want. But I always saw, like, the hexadecimal, I guess, at the bottom. I guess that's all your graphics and things like that. So as long as you don't muck around with that, I guess you're okay. What's weird is, okay, so... I did find that at the top of the code window there is a tab, like you can add additional tabs. So I don't know if that that might be a way you could. Yeah, um, it kind of has sections. I see like underscore underscore Lua underscore underscore. So I guess that's all your code. Then there's like an underscore underscore GFX underscore underscore. So I guess that's all your graphics data down there. Yeah, it's just storing those as a series of characters. But if you look in your code window, there is a button up here where you can add additional tabs. Oh. I, I don't know, know that. what that does. <laughs> so huh. that might be a way. I, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to play around with that now to see if that's a way you can separate out your code. Cause, yeah, yep. that'd be great if you could just like have two tabs and have one tab be your title screen or whatever, another tab be your uh, game screen or whatever. And make just a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's my game. Oh, looks awesome. Oh, yeah, so I wanted to go back about the screen shaking. Uh, yeah, that is a great way to do it, just like move the camera around. I was just thinking that's... That's been like an old trick even with movies years and years ago. I mean, whenever uh, you'd have an earthquake or something, you'd just shake the camera around. And it just yeah. Like a trick to, to give the impression of something. And I, I don't know. I always felt weird about doing it because it's like you weren't really moving everything around. But to the viewer, it actually looks like it is. Yeah, it's what's surprising is, like, I think I looked up a couple of... Um, you know, just Googled, like, Pico 8 screen shake or something like that, and it kind of su suggested to use the camera function. Mm -hmm. It was, it kind of surprised me, it, again, you could probably do it in Unity, it, it surprised me how little I had to play around with it. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as you, as you don't go too crazy with your maximum amount, mm -hmm. it's, you know, um... So you just have a shake timer, and if it's greater than zero, then move the yeah, camera to just, a random position, then for each frame after that, then you just subtract one, and then once it gets below, once it equals zero, then, then it stops shaking. Yeah, you set it back to the original position. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, looks cool. All right. Okay, well, I guess I'll show off my game. So my game really doesn't have anything to do with Start From Nothing. I did have some ideas. Let me screen share here. Share screen. Uh, share. Let me find my folder of games. So mine was Mahjong Drop. And yet the uh, kickoff... Oh, this is going to blast me. Uh, yeah, so at the kickoff we did kind of a... Uh, 
Japanese type gaming. We, Dylan and I played a few games of uh, Koi Koi, which is pretty cool to actually play that in real life. Um, but the other game I've been looking into, and like the Yakuza series really got me into this, uh, Mahjong. And the problem with Mahjong is that um, there's so many rules, and like they have Yaku, which is like, I, mean, I know we used in Hanukkah as well. Uh, the different scoring techniques, but I just wanted to like create something to introduce people to Mahjong, just the basics, which are creating melds. And that's basically you have three suits. Wish I could turn this down a little bit. Um, but yeah, so the objective of the game is to create sets of three, and that's uh, three um, numbers in a row. So each tile has a suit and a number. And I'm excluding the honor tiles in this, which is a whole different thing, your wins and dragons and all that. So this is just basically the, the very, very simplistic basics of Mahjong, just to teach how to make melds. And so you can create a meld by getting three of a suit in sequence, <clears throat> or three in a suit of the same number. So we've got a three, a two, a two. And in this game, they can either be matched horizontally or vertically. So we can do a, an eight, a nine, and these are So the three suits, like the first suit is bamboo, which is I have highlighted in green. And <laughs> not coming out the way though. Okay, here's the three twos. So I got three twos of bamboo that are all green, and they got the little sticks on them. So when I put those three together, it creates a score called Pawn. Uh, the sequence, if they're in sequence in that, is called Chi. So if you're playing a real game of Mahjong, the objective is to create, I think, like four of those melds and then a double after that. Um, but yeah, if you're doing a sequence, it doesn't have to necessarily be in, uh, it just has to be three numbers adjacent to each other that they don't have to actually be in sequence on the screen. So like right here, you can have a a five, a four, and a six, just because those are three. Okay, so right here I have a nine, a seven, and an eight. And one other feature I added is uh, whenever you have um, two on the board, and the next one that's dropping down, so this is sort of like Tetris. You have the tiles dropping down from the top, and as you lay more tiles on the board, uh, the blocks start coming down faster and faster. So I did add it where it's got like this little guide uh, that shows where the block is going to drop. Um, I used a technique, um, so, so I can get a, oh I can't do these because this is a 1, 2, and a 3, so it looks like you can make that one, but you really can't. <clears throat> but here on the side I can do a 3, 4, and a 5. So yeah, they flash if there is an available meld to make on the board. Uh, I think there might be a slight bug if if the tile coming down is like on the very far right side. So that's something I'll need to fix in a post compo version. Uh, but yeah, the tiles just keep coming down faster and faster. At the very end, like on Sunday, like at at um, yeah. So like Sunday at 4 p.m., I was like, well, this 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 is a, a working game, but for some reason. I, I just don't see people playing this very long, just because it's like, okay, I made I made a couple of melds, what is there to do? So, 
Uh, one thing that I've been playing with in other games that I've developed is adding objectives. So on the right side here, you can see all of the objectives uh, that I added. So it kind of gives the player another goal to reach. So I have like Chi, 1, 5, and 20. So it's to make 1, 5, or 20 of those melons. And then same for Pawn. But since Pawn is a little bit more difficult to make, three of the same kind, Then also have total tiles. How many total tiles you've dropped on the board? So that's kind of an easy objective to reach. You just have to drop the tiles on the board without reaching the tiles. So, um, I do have like a tile counter in the lower left-hand corner, so you can see the total number of tiles on the board. And the current speed—that uh, was real. The speed was really just for me debugging at first, just to see how fast it was going and how uh, fast it could go and still be playable. So I just kind of left that in. Um, if I was to develop this further, I'd probably change that to like a, uh, uh, a, a bar, like a progress bar or something that goes from like nothing to build up. Uh, yeah, so that's basically it. Um, as you can see, as you lay more tiles, it keeps getting faster and faster. Keep going and eventually reach the top and game over. Um, the one thing that I did with uh, one of my games earlier this year, the Domino game that I did, I added a lot of different options. So I kind of wanted to do that with this game too. So you can actually add uh, from 7 to 14 columns. So if you wanted like really small, I can have it 7 columns by, let's say, 9 rows. Uh, you can turn off the highlighting of the meld matches. So if you're like a pro player, uh, you can just turn that off. Um, also turn off the color tiles so if you want to go explicitly by the uh, display on the, on the tiles then you can turn that off and you can turn the guide on and off so it kind of makes it a whole different game so it's like okay now i really got to look at the different uh i don't know what you call those uh the markings on the tile i guess uh and because the different color tiles gives you a little bit of a hint or makes it a little bit easier to figure out uh, which ones go together. Uh, anyway, yeah. And if... Oh, were you about to say something, Dylan? I was going to say, the, the, the match highlighting and, and the configurability and the guides are really neat because that, that looks like that um, took some work to get it working. Yeah, because at first I want to just, like, make it so that it's a working game but to actually make the different sizes of the board i actually had to, i think i used a dynamically sized array it's like in c c sharp you can do int then value of your board which is just a set of tile objects and you can pass in uh, the number of rows and number of columns uh, so at first i had those defined as constants so then when i went back and made that configurable i, I just added a new option screen before, created a script called options that had a bunch of properties. And then whenever I started the game, I just took those constants out and read the number of rows and columns from those properties. And a lot of the other things like the guide, that was just turning a Boolean on and off and just reading from that. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, so the one thing, I'll, I'll try to write a post-mortem on this. The one thing that tripped me up 
It was another one of those things like Sunday at 3 p.m. And the deadline was 6 p.m., three hours earlier. Um, so I had a tile, a game or a prefab for a tile, and I put every single different type of sprite. So basically the 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 circles or the wheels and the columns and the bamboo sprites. I had all of those on each tile uh, prefab. So whenever I was instantiating that, it's instantiating like nine times, 27 different sprites for every tile. So yeah, um, <laughs> it really started. So I could play for like a couple of minutes. Then when it started getting up a little high, you could really notice the slowdown. You mean actual separate game objects with sprites on them or separate sprite renderer components or what? Um, let's see, do I have the code on here? Yeah, I wish I could show it. Uh, I, so like I was saying, this is a new computer. Uh, I just installed you. I, th I think I do have the source code on here. So see if I can shut that off. But yeah, uh, so when I started out, it was... So there's an image UI object. And okay. so I had every single different image on 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 a prefab. So Okay. So I was like, I think that's okay because by default I'm turning all of those other images off. I'm turning all the other sprites off. Oh, I'm not screen sharing. Yeah. Um, I'm turning all the other sprites off and oh where is it? Share screen. Share. Share. So I was turning all the other ones off and then just turning on the one sprite that was the sprite of the, the, the one of that tile based on the suit and the number. So like right here where I have the image, there were like 27 different other images. Yeah. There. And I'd just turn all the other ones off and, and just show the one that I needed. But yeah, apparently that eats up a lot of graphics memory right there. Well, yeah, because those, I, I assume, because those, those objects still have to stay in memory. It's got to instantiate all those. Exactly. Just because you make them hidden. or So I was just like, where you have this right here, set active on and off. I was just turning them off like that. So yeah. the way that I, so it was kind of an interesting programming problem. The way that I fixed it was I created a new tile images objects. And, well, no. Did I do it there or somewhere else? Well, I just created one set of sprites. And then yeah. based on whichever tile it is, and I do have a top, let's see your scripts, game, tile. And I did upgrade to Visual Studio 2019 on this one. Um, based on the tile. So at first when I was developing this, I just put characters on there, which worked fine. Um. Oh, so so instead of like there being one image for a tile, you're actually laying out each of those different dots. No, I'm not doing that. It's okay. still separate images. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be an even better way to do it. Although some of the dots nah. are bigger and smaller, so then you'd have to scale and all that. Oh, and by the way, the one bamboo is actually, in a standard Mahjong set, a peacock. But I was like, I'm not even going to try to draw a peacock. <laughs> so yeah. I put one bamboo. Uh, but yeah, right here I just did, and I know sometimes Git Component isn't great, but I did Git Component and Children. So that gets me a reference to prefab tile this image right here and then from there I have this object called TI which is a set of tile images 
And I thought that's what I had right here. Okay, so here's tile, tile image. Okay. Yeah, so here it is right here. Tile images. Ignore this down here. That's where I was starting to do something didn't. Uh, so basically in tile images, it's just a, uh, a script and an object that holds a list of the three different kinds of sprites. The dot sprites, the bamboo sprites, and the character sprites. Yeah. Um, so then I, I had to look this up and... Basically, to assign a sprite, you just get the uh, image object and just do dot sprite. <laughs> then I can call into that list of sprites and get, uh, if it's a bamboo, then look at the bamboo list. If it's a dot, look at the dot list. If character. Then, based on the number on the tile, I just pass into that array. The value. Yeah. And if you really wanted to avoid that get component in children, like you could save a reference like you could do that in your start method and then save a reference to the image oh okay yeah i um, think i've done something like that before with other objects is like okay i want to like i want to reference to the board so or like here with the options is like well if the options doesn't exist then do game object find object of type options and like yeah options uh and then I do a, a second check just in case the options object di didn't get instantiated. I mean, naturally or instinctively, I'd want to put that in start uh, and just say, uh, if do the options find objects of type options right here. But the problem with that is sometimes like this tile object or some other object will get instantiated or activated before the options object. And that's why you got to put it in update. Yeah. It'd be nice if there was like some way you could control which options get instantiated at what time. But okay, so that was my game, Mahjong Drop. Uh, so I wanted to show off two other games. Uh, so Jacob he created a game called The Dust. Uh, am I still screen sharing this? Uh, uh yeah. Okay, great. Uh, let me go back. So Jacob created a game called The Dust. The Dust is a top-down RPG light style game where you fight through small arenas. However, when you die, you must start all over again. WASD to move, left mouse to fire, secret hint, rapidly left clicking like a schizophrenic squirrel to fight a specific thing. So I went ahead and downloaded this. I haven't I just started it. I haven't played it really yet. So let me go back up. So this is the dust. And I think it's just dust.exe. So, can I maximize this? Okay. Oops. Yeah, so it looks like Jacob did a Game Maker game again, and he has experience, level, and health. So, yeah, so I can move around with ASD and W. Looks like arrow keys don't work, but... Oh, that's pretty cool. You can shoot, and it will bounce off the walls. Your little attack. It, it, it reminds me kind of like the whiz robes in Legend of Zelda. But it looks like you can only shoot once every like five seconds. Yeah. Looks like the enemies drop little red orbs. I'm not. I guess the orbs are for your experience. Maybe. Yeah, because you got 10 experience now. Yeah, so it's 15. Yeah, 15. So I guess as you go up in levels, then I'm not exactly sure that <laughs> as i say i don't know what that is that didn't look good it's like these oh i like the sounds that he has um he has like these these 
red jellies just blocked the way out. Oh, so when I, and there's like this big cyan colored jelly type enemy, and when I killed him, I got like five red orbs instead of each one. And the red jellies on the side, I guess they were kind of blocking my way back out. Maybe. Maybe, maybe those are doors. Yeah, not sure. I don't know why I'd want to go back out that way, but I guess they were just kind of trapping me in for a little bit. Yeah, so it reminds me a lot of Zelda. Um, you just walk around these corridors here, and uh, yeah, in his description he said something about rapidly clicking, but uh, okay. So there's uh, so there's a red enemy or thing down here. I'm not walking. I don't know what that is, right? Oh, maybe that's a bed. Does that refill my health? Kind of looks like a bed. Hmm. No, I don't see anything. Yeah. I just thought that kind of looked like a pillow and what the legs of a bed. Yeah, maybe that's just decoration. Yeah, probably so. And there's like these little yellow things. I don't, it doesn't look like I could pick those up. It might be decorations too. Um. But yeah, this guy is kind of interesting. I'm not sure. He's, it looks, it looks kinda... like you were damaging them or something. Oh, the yellow ones? Let's see yeah, shoot oh, that yeah. again. Okay, so you can pick up... Uh... Some more I wonder health. if you're going to level up at 100. No. Yeah. I'm still level zero. Yeah, I don't know if he's got it. Oh, I see some nice stuff on the side here. Ooh. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's, oh, this yeah, is I was like, that. Oh no! It, it, it's like the Metroid in Super Metroid. I wonder if Jacob's been playing Super Metroid because he kind of just like jumped and got on my head. Um, but yeah, this little guy looks like he's got a yellow uh, crystal-shaped head and a red, like a really wide body and like two little feet that flash on and off. But. Uh, it looks like he put a lot of work into this, and he's got a lot of different kinds of enemies. Yeah, that looks pretty neat. Like, actually getting a functional Zelda-style game takes quite a bit of effort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of this reminds me of Metroid. Oh, so here's the red, like, uh, jelly guys, I guess. They were kind of blocking my way for a second, but I just like shot them, and looks like they went away after that. I do like the reflection with the magic that he's got working. So he did do some work figuring out like whenever this magic shot collides with the wall, make it bounce the other way. And I'm not sure if it's a perfect like mirror. Uh, yeah, which I'm not sure you'd want it to be anyway. Yeah, there's like this these little red things down here. Looks like trees or something. Yeah. Can you shoot those? Yeah, I can. They just don't drop any experience or anything for me. Okay. But it looks like a blot. Yeah, I wonder if you have to clear those out. Yeah, it looks like... Or can I just... Will this kill me? No, it's... Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, somehow... Looks like it. So for some reason, it looks like it's a glitch, but all the text just turned black, so it's kind of hard to read. Oh yeah, I I noticed that. Like that 
that looks like it could be a uh, bug since you you died and started over. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So I, I remember when I was doing game maker stuff. It's like, oh, you always got to remember to set the color before because you can't always just assume it's going to be the color that was last time. But uh, oh no, he just died again. Yeah. So that's Jacob's game. See here, it's called The Dust. You can find it. He's actually got it on his Game Jolt site. Uh, he's big underscore ol underscore tom, along with his other. I think you can click on here and get his other games as well. I'm just not sure. Yeah, over here on the side, his previous game entries. So yeah, and uh, Joe Miller. I haven't seen him in a while, but since he has come to our meetings in the past. I wanted to show off his game just for a second. Uh, he created a game called Ludum Lux. Ludum Lux is a grid-based puzzle game where each stage you start with nothing and need to light up, light all of the tiles up. The symbols on the tiles note which surrounding tiles they affect. There are 20 different stages in the jam version. Can you beat them all? So Dylan, did you play this one? I think I saw where you commented on this. Um, I played a little bit of it. I think I got to maybe level six or seven. Oh. Um, did you have it? Like, I think there was a web-based version. Um, I downloaded the desktop. I figured just this would be the... But yeah, you can play it through the web or the desktop. I, I wanted to get the best version for everybody when I could. Um, but yeah, I haven't played this at all, so I don't know. I, I have no idea what I'm doing here. So I can I can kind of walk you through it if oh, you start with one. Start with so okay. if you click, oh, this is this is a a sample. Is this like a tutorial here or something? Yeah. So if you click on the plus signs, okay. it's going to light that up plus the ones to the side, um, or toggle that and the ones to the side. And if you click on the X's, it's going to toggle the diagonal. Uh, is this like the game Revisi that used to come with Windows where you could flip things? And... It might be. I'm not I'm not that familiar with that. Yeah, it's kind of like um, a game where you could just flip tiles and you kept flipping them. Yeah, I am not good at these types of games. I usually just click until... <laughs> yeah, I I had the same problem where... And you can't... You, the empty tiles, you can't click on at all. Oh, gotcha. Um... But yeah, like a lot of them, either either I got out of dumb luck or I had to sit there and go, okay, I need to start on this tile and work my way this way. Because um, it gets tough. Like all of these so far, I've just randomly until I was like, I, I don't have any strategy. I, I'm amazed I got up to level four. <laughs> yeah. Kind of randomly clicking here. But I think it's a pretty good concept. and yeah, and some of the effects he's using, like when you start a game, the, the tiles kind of expand out. And when you finish a, a level, you get these little particle fireworks. Oh. Uh, I, I really like kind of the minimalist uh, approach to it. Um, I think the fireworks are kind of a standard part of Game Maker. I think it actually has like a fireworks, something in there. It might be an add-on or something. Yeah. Either way, like it, it works really well. Um, so, Dylan, you, you're you're an '80s kid like me. Did you ever have a Rubik's cube? <laughs> yeah, I never got good at it. I never could figure it out. I mean, I've heard people go, oh, "You just do this and that, this and that." And it's 
like, I never could do a Rubik's Cube. I think I was too young to really get it. And I, I did, I can't remember where I stopped on this game, but I did hit a point where I'm like, this is tough. And I, I'm, because I think one of, the, one of the problems you can run into with these puzzles is um, you can get yourself stuck. Yeah, there is like a restart, you, restart button over here. Yeah, but if you if you click on the wrong, if you start at the wrong position, yeah, then like you'll just you'll be chasing yourself in circles. Yeah, it'd be nice if there was a way to says, okay, you've you've messed up so bad now. There isn't, it's unsolvable at this point. But that would probably take a lot more coding. I don't even know that it's unsolvable. It's just like you have to get it to a state that um, you can actually. Yeah, it's like I, I'm amazed I got up to level five because uh, the previous levels I've just randomly clicked until something worked. But it does have a number. What? Is, oh, so the numbers at the top—that's how many. Um, are filled, I guess. Yeah, uh, so yeah. It's like 11 are filled out of 14 total blocks. But yeah, I know there's people that love this type of game. It's just never really been my thing. Um, even like the little slider puzzle kind of reminds me of this. I guess if you do have a strategy for figuring this out... It, yeah. I just really... You have to think really far ahead with some of these and in the later levels and it's just man it's rough yeah it's kind of like a brain teaser yeah i i tend to like puzzle games but man this this is this just kind of breaks my brain i do have an appreciation for good puzzle games just because it's like they make puzzles that are solvable i mean just yeah. making a puzzle that can be solved. Hey, I got it! <laughs> yep. Okay. That that one was rough. Yeah, I think I'm stopping there. <laughs> so that's uh, Let Em Lux by Joe Miller. Yeah, hope Joe, Joe's doing okay and everything. Haven't seen him in a while. And uh, Let's see here. So, okay, so here's, a, here's another guy. He's never been to any of our meetings, but Recursor... Don't know what his real name is. Um, he, he's been doing these LDs since like almost like the beginning, like since LD fifteen. I'm not gonna play this one. I'm just gonna mention it um, just because he is. I think he's in East Tennessee. I'm not exactly sure because he's uh, a part of Pixel Byte Studios. And let's see here. I think somewhere on the about is like oh yeah he says. Pixelbot Studios and independent software design studios based in East Tennessee, specializing in games for the whole family. Da 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 da. So, yeah, I'll probably eventually play his Ludum Dari games. Usually, I play them just to see. Play another one from a East Tennessee developer. And also, I forgot to mention it last time, but uh, Dennis Step. I think he's involved quite a bit with the Knox Devs group. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've always forgot to mention his games. He works on a team, and I'm not exactly sure where the other members of his team are. But I, I know he does, like, participate. Um, his Ludumdari 45 game, this Coinus Accum Accumulus, 
Uh, so yeah, he's Mr. McGiblet <laughs> on the Ludum Dare site. He's also on Twitter and uh, Facebook and everywhere. I'll see if it, I have a link to his um, profile here. Yeah, he's got a blog, Dennis-Step. Step with two P's dot com. And yeah, he's actually has done quite a bit of blogging about Unity and other things. And yeah, he just hasn't been to any of our meetings yet. But uh, just wanted to share that as well since he's an East Tennessee developer. Okay, so that's all I had for this month. Dylan, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to share or anything? Nah, that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can find Dylan. He's Dylan Wolf uh, on Twitter and social media and DylanWolf.com. Got a lot of great blog posts that you can check out there. Um, I'm LeviDSmith.com, GA Tech Grad on social media and other places. Uh, yeah, so anybody, everyone's welcome to join us on the podcast. We do it once a month, second Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We do this online you can go to noxgamedesign.com for the link to join us uh next month i'm planning on doing uh scratch because i did we did small talk a month ago so scratch kind of evolved from that so i think scratch is a good thing for new game developers so i'm gonna take a look into that next month but yeah sign up for the mailing list and anybody out there wants to know when we meet what upcoming events that we have uh, you can also check out the podcast. It's on. Share this out. Share screen. Share. Yeah, so if you go to noxgamedesign.com, you can get the podcast directly from the website. It's the second link on the top. If you want to give us a rating, you can. But you can. I think we've done quite a few of these. I think we're like over 30. Just, just since we started focusing solely on game design topics and because before we're kind of doing indie game review type things with that but yeah we have like over 30 of these on here so you can get that on itunes we're also on various other sites like stitcher and google play store so you got links to those right there but yeah sign up for the mailing list it's right here at the top uh, as always, we have the directory, so if you're looking for a game developer in East Tennessee, anybody that's been to our meeting or anybody that has an online presence that has to do with game development, we put, put those guys on here and you can see what they specialize in and links to their sites and social media. Um, yeah, you got the calendar forms. And also, sign up for our Discord. That's probably the fastest way to reach us because I always have Discord pop up when I log in. Uh, I don't always check Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. So, yeah, check us out there. So, anyway, till next month, uh, we'll see everybody back in a month.